Well, you gotta love worship, amen? God loves worship. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. When you sing, he shows up. And the presence of God is, he's always present because he is omnipresent. That means he is always present. But there are degrees of his presence that you experience based on the condition of your heart. So he can be present and you don't even know he's present. He can be present and he can move you as far as you want to be moved into the divine center of Almighty God. And so it's really about us if we're going to be a sponge or we're going to be a wall. And when you're a sponge, you receive his presence in a powerful way. And you experience that in a way that is transformational as you do life. And that's really what it's all about. You became a Christian, probably the motive was to avoid hell and gain heaven. But your purpose was to glorify him and experience the greatest life possible while being a human being. Now think about that. It's both. It's not just go to heaven, not just glorify God. He wants you to experience fullness of life. That's why Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. So abundant life is not about the zip code you live in, the amount of money you make a year. It's all about how you experience him in your current environment and situation. So whether you're going through difficult times or this is a calm and this is a blessing time, he needs to be ever present in your life to guide you through all of your journey in life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you noticed, today we have a, a voting booth outside. It's it's one of just a few that are available in Orange County, and we were blessed to be able to have that. And I think it's wonderful that right now, everyone who's voting out there and standing in line gets to hear music and the message. <laughs> have you thought about that? With our outdoor pavilion out there, they're able to, to experience it and see it and taste and see that the Lord is good. And so we pray for every person who uh, encounters you, encounters this church and the kingdom, that they are truly turned toward the Almighty. Amen? Amen? A few years ago, I wrote a book, One Nation Without Law. We have a few copies. It went into second printing. It's now going into third printing. It was an Amazon bestseller. We have a handful of copies left out front if you want to grab one, but we've got another shipment coming in in a few weeks. We have been distributing these to the police departments in Orange County. Uh, and L.A. County now, we've been giving them to uh, our law enforcement officers at no cost whatsoever, and we've dropped the price down to where uh, it's just our, it, we actually lose money on every book we sell, all right? Because we believe the message is important. And so um, I think we've got them for sale for $5. If you don't have $5, just go out there and tell them you don't have $5, you want one free, because we're never gonna let money stand in the way of the message that God wants to give to us, amen? Augustine is known as a theologian. You probably have not heard that name unless you've studied some of the classical writings of antiquity. But Augustine wrote a very inspiring and interesting 
uh, statement in the city of God. Augustine lays forth two cities there, the city of God, which is defined by those angels and persons who love God, and then there's the earthly city by those who are rebellious angels and persons who love themselves more than they love God. And that insight is not maybe fresh to you, but it's a good reminder that there are two cities, there are two kingdoms that are operating simultaneously in the world in which we find ourselves. And depending on how you align yourself, you might be a resident of the heavenly city, but living as though you're a member of the earthly city. When you do that, you bypass all the blessings of the heavenly city, even though you gain the inheritance of eternal life one day into the future. The idea is to live your life in the earthly city, that is with a mindset of Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit, living in such a way that you not only understand your inheritance and your position in Christ, but you experience all that God wants to give you while on earth from that, earthly, from that heavenly city versus that earthly city that surrounds us. The earthly city has always been in chaos. We're living in a time of chaos in our nation. In fact, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what's going on given the day that you're living in. It's, we're all looking forward to 2021 because we think miraculously the strangeness of 2020 will go away. But I remind you that the characters and the producers and the actors are still the same. It is incumbent upon us to live our life in the fullness of God Regardless what chaos we experience, we rise above the chaos and we are a strong and true standard of righteousness in the land in which we find ourselves, amen? amen? In a constitutional republic uh, like the United States, the power lies in the citizens. We may not feel like that at times. We may feel powerless when we see laws that seem to violate everything that seems logical and reasonable to mankind. It may not feel like that we are in control of this situation because of some of the statements that are made or, or the way it's promoted in media, but it still remains that in a constitutional republic under God, the power lies in the citizens, and the government derives its authority from you and I. That's why voting is so critically important. I believe every person should vote. I wouldn't go so far as to say every person should vote like me because some live in other counties and they should vote similar to me. <laughs> Amen? Let me remind you a bit of the U.S. Constitution, we the people of the United States. Have you ever just read that and stood back and just let that sink in? We, the people of these United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide common defense, promote the general welfare, and securing the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. Let me remind you what it said. To establish justice, to ensure domestic tranquility. You know what that means? That means you can walk down the street of any city in America and not be 
uh, accosted, not be beat up, not be persecuted, not be silenced, but that you have the freedom to speak freely and you have the right for safety. That's what our Constitution says. There are those in some cities who refuse to enforce this part of it and call those things which could be a protest but turn into a riot, they call it a summer of love. How on earth do you call rioting and people dying a summer of love or a peaceful protest? What we're doing today is a peaceful protest in this house to provide the common defense, promote the general welfare and the blessings of liberty. Liberty is a blessing. Do you realize how unique it is to be able to vote in an election? I mean, just that right alone is, is huge by, by, by the world that we live in. We need to take advantage of that. If you've not voted, please vote today and, uh, or before the time is up for that voting and uh, cast your ballot on Christian values. We're reminded in the sacred book that the Lord determines the future of a nation. There's a balance in theology, that is the Bible and the teaching of the Bible. There's a balance in which God is sovereign, God is in control of all things, but at the same time, he entrusts us, those who are creating his image, as co-labors in the kingdom to bring about good and tranquility and peace and prosperity in our land. That is our responsibility. We are not, we're not to pull back and just say, well, God's got it. No, God's saying, I've got my part, but do you doing your part? And that's what's really important. Jeremiah 18 says, the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom. So God's saying, when I get ready to talk about nations and kingdoms, to pluck up, to pull down, and destroy, if that nation whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. Now think about how powerful and sobering those words are. God says there comes a time when a nation needs to go out of existence. There comes a time in a nation when it needs to be judged. But I want you to know if that nation will relent, if it will turn from its wicked ways, I will hear its voice, I will heal its land. Now the question that theologians have volleyed around for years is how many righteous people does it take to preserve a nation? Well, I think it takes a lot less than we think, but I think it takes those righteous people sincerely seeking after God in the power of the Spirit, amen? amen. So there's no number, but I guess that if you in this room would covenant with God to be that remnant of righteousness in the land. It would be, make a huge difference in the way that our nation operates, amen? amen? It went on to say, in the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to build up, to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I said I would benefit it. So God says, I wanna do good. Do you realize on a national level and on a personal level, God wants to do good in your life? God wants to bring blessings to your life. He wants you to be, uh, feel the favor of Almighty God in all that you do. 
And so you may be in a nation that has just gone crazy and rebellious against God, but guess what? God can take you and he can bless you right where you are in very miraculous supernatural ways because you faithfully follow after God. See, God has always had a remnant that followed him. The majority was never the ones that followed after God. I remember in the scripture when Jesus asked the disciples after the feeding of the 5,000, he said, where have they all gone? In other words, they showed up for lunch and then left. Where have they gone? And he said, well, they all left, my Lord. And, and he said, what about you? Will you leave also? And Peter says this, where should we go? Where can we go? Because in you are the words of life. You see, if you want life, you stay there. Imagine the, the tension that was building in Noah when he was building the ark, and, and he and his family, a total of eight, were going to, going to be sequestered away in an ark, waiting by the power of God. It was a covenant. It was a, it was a contract that God had made with him. He said, I'm going to bless you, and he did. So you see, God always works with a remnant, with the individual, who follows after God. So you, individually, and me, individually, we have to say, I'm gonna be right with God, even if everybody around me is wrong. And it's easy to, to fall into that, that pressure that you feel in society sometimes when people say, well, where, where is God in this mess? Or are you really gonna be that fanatical about God? And that pressure will come to you, and you have to be willing to say, I'm gonna stand for God, sink or swim, do or die, I'm not going to depart from my God. Amen? Amen? Amen. You see, choices in our life have consequences, don't they? Whenever we make a choice that is a choice of death, it, it follows that death will follow. And I don't mean physical death, I mean that which is lifeless. So you can make a choice and you say, well, everyone's doing it, that's a choice, because everyone's doing it, that's really logical, right? I mean, have you ever heard that or said that? Well, everybody's doing it as if that were the standard of truth. Now what does God say about that matter? And follow him. See the blessings that God can bring to you because the consequences can be life and it can be death. I don't know about you, but I wanna be on the road of life. I don't wanna be on the road of death. That path of death is not a good road, amen? John Winthrop in 1630, when landing on this nation's shores, referred to America as a city on a hill. That phrase has been repeated by no less than six U.S. presidents as looking to America as being an exceptional place, a unique place. Remember, Winthrop and his other, and all those who came with him were leaving the tyranny of Great Britain. They were leaving the tyranny of Europe. They experienced what it was like to live in a world under a monarch under uh, despotism, under anarchy, and, and they said, we don't want that anymore. We wanna leave these shores and we wanna do something different. Listen to what Winthrop said. For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. So that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work which we have undertaken, and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. America is a city on a hill. And unfortunately, some of the lights are dimming out. We haven't paid the electric bill, so to speak. And the electric bill is the, is the following after God. I believe God can bring us back, amen? 
I believe God can restore a nation. I believe God can restore a people. I believe God can restore your life today. That you, if you are, if you are half committed to God, you can leave here fully committed to God. If you're not experiencing his favor, I believe you can start experiencing his favor. If we don't believe that, then we don't believe this book altogether. The sermon that uh, Winthrop spoke was inspired by Matthew chapter five and verse 14. Listen to what it says. You are the light of the world. Personalize that. Not corporately, not every Christian in the world. Think about you, 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 you. You're the light of the world. Wherever you go, you're like a little beacon of light. How much light are you extending? How far can your light be seen? Does anyone notice that the light is on? Or have you put it under a bushel basket, so to speak? Ben Franklin said, we've been assured in the sacred writings that unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. He went on to say, I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. We shall be divided by our little partial local interests, sound like 2020. Our projects will be confounded, and we ourselves shall become a reproach and a byword down to future ages. Those are spoken by those who had left tyranny, who knew this great American experiment was something unique and something very different. I believe that when we follow biblical principles, that we feel the good, we feel the hand of God. If you've been close to God, you know how good that feels. And if you've been away from God, you know how bad that feels, amen? You ever been away from God and the last thing you want to do is show up at church? It was just a reminder that you weren't following God. How about ever been away from God and you just didn't want to be around that one Christian who just loved God with all their heart and they weren't judgmental, they just represented Jesus in the flesh somehow. And you thought, I gotta get away from them. Why not be that person instead in someone else's life? Why not be that light in this dark place for the kingdom of Almighty God? Let me just read some of the blessings of Proverbs chapter 10, some selected verses. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. Who gets the blessings? The righteous, say it with me, the righteous. Oh, what about the unrighteous? Well, the blessings are not on their head. How about this next one? The memory of the righteous is blessed. We don't look back on people that are evil, divisive, and have a, a good feeling in our heart, do we? Do you ever look back on some despotic ruler and just say, man, they were just so wonderful? They had good qualities. You don't do that. You look back and you say, that person was so real or so transparent or so loving or so kind or they were such a good friend. They were such a giving person. That's what it's talking about. The memory of the righteous is blessed. How about the mouth of the righteous is a well of life? When you're righteous, you speak good things. You speak about life. Sometimes we have to retrain our mouth to say what our heart has been telling us is true and it's not true. Some people, they just, you know, they were baptized in pickle juice. I mean, you can't get a good word out of them. You can retrain yourself. You see, we can get in a pattern of using certain words and phrases, but we can get out of that pattern. When people say, how are you doing? And then you're sorry you asked. Have you ever had that experience? 
I mean, hey, I can take a little bit of bad, but I, I don't need a half hour of it. You know, and you want to say, well, that's too bad. I mean, can I pray for you? And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pray for people, encourage people. But if you get in a pattern of that, you have to break that pattern. You know, we all have self-talk. You ever talk to yourself? I do all day long. I never really win the conversation, but I, I have it anyway. But in that self-talk, what are you saying to you? What are you saying to you is probably what you're say, also saying to other people in one form or another. If you start the day and say, you know what, regardless what I face, I'm gonna love God. I'm gonna bless people. I'm gonna experience the goodness of God in my life. And then when bad comes or a difficulty or a challenge comes, you say, hey, I'm just gonna go back to the way I began this day. I began it being a blessing, and I don't wanna curse the ground I walk on. Can you imagine that? You're walking along, you just say, man, life is gonna be, I don't know, it's gonna be bad today, it's gonna be bad tomorrow, it's gonna be bad the next day. Why not go, you know what, life is good and I'm just gonna experience the blessings wherever I go. Whatever I go, amen? Amen. Look what else it says. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but the righteous has an everlasting foundation. How about an everlasting foundation? We had fires here about 10 years ago We've had recently had them three years ago and then recently about two weeks ago. But, but 10 years ago, a friend of ours, their house caught on fire and uh, I told him he was the worst fireman around. He said, I'm watching. Uh, he was in Yorba Linda, I was in Anaheim Hills. He said, I'm watching and he said, looks like the fire's moving your way, why don't you come over to my house? Uh, even though he's a, a retired Marine colonel, he's a bad fireman because his house, within 15 minutes of that call, completely burned up. But let me tell you what was unique about it. Because of the way his house was situated in a gully and the winds that were coming through there, one of the things they do is they test the foundation, the metal in the foundation. And they said that the heat, because of, of the valley, because of the wind, because just the way the house was situated, they estimated the heat to be in that house over 6,000 degrees. It melted all the metal in the foundation. So they couldn't just rebuild on the foundation, they had to tear the foundation up. You see, sometimes when you find yourself in a situation where you have got away from God, the foundation is damaged, you have to go back and rebuild. You have to re-strengthen and put the metal back into that concrete, so to speak, so that you can rebuild on a solid foundation of God and let God build that new structure for you. Hebrews chapter one and verse nine says this, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness even more than your companions. How'd you like to have the oil of gladness? People come up to you, how you doing? I'm doing great. Your life might be in shambles, but you've got the gladness of God on your life. When you start to speak those words, they start to become a reality. You see, the, the, the speech part of your brain, whenever you say something, it responds to your nervous system. And if you say, I'm doing bad, the nerve said, oh, the body's doing bad, let's just bring it down another notch. This is scientifically true. Even though I make it very simple to understand, it's the way it works. That's why put a, put a watchman over my mouth, the Bible says. That's why the Bible says, you know, that the words of your lip, let them, be, let them be pure before the Lord. Speak good things and you'll experience good things in life. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about the party platforms and what's going on. Uh, 
When we started uh, in this journey about seven months ago for the lockdown, and then we reopened in May, May 31st, because we believed that it was important to, to not only be safe, but also to stand on our First Amendment rights. Uh, we, we took this journey seriously, and I launched uh, uh, another ministry called AmericanFaith.com. I hope you'll check it out and see what we're doing there. But um, one of the things that we have is we have vested in, uh, in our government, uh, how our government, we have a vested interest in how our government approaches things like religious liberty, human rights, Israel, and education. All of those things are important as citizens, amen? You see, in the word citizen is really where we get our word politics. It comes from a Greek word. And so when you think about it, politics is not ugly and bad, just people make it bad. It's about citizenship and how you're going to approach citizenship. So I thought it would be helpful. These are, uh, by the way, these are all taken right from the Republican and Democratic Party platforms. So you can go there and find this yourself. I'm not making this up. Um, I recognize that in a group this size, there may be people who are undecided. There may be people who have decided, and you may be independent, Republican or Democrat. We want you to know you're welcome here. But I want you to understand platforms so you understand that never vote for the person. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but most presidents are a little strange. Have you noticed that? They all are. They're, I mean, if you want that job, there's got to be something wrong with you. Amen. I, I, don't, I don't know, you know, it's not like they pay a great salary, you know, I mean, you get a nice house, but you gotta share it with everybody. <laughs> Can't drive yourself, you, you know, I mean, it's just, it's kind of a strange world, right? But if you think about platforms, which platform, party platform, best represents my values? And you have to determine what your values are and if they align up with scripture. So I wanna just kind of walk you through a few of these. So the first one here is abortion. And I'm not gonna read all of these because uh, uh, we don't have time to kind of walk through every one of them, but abortion, the Republican Party is, uh, we assert the sanctity of human life and affirm that unborn child has a fundamental right to life that cannot be infringed upon. That's a biblical value. That basically says abortion is wrong. Now let me say this, I'm also cognizant of the fact that some of you in this room probably have had an abortion. And I want you to know, we're not here to judge you for that. We want you to know that God loves you, that there's a, there's a cleansing and a forgiveness that comes from Almighty God. And regardless how you look back on that, I want you to know that God is, really is loving towards you and kind towards you, okay? And we as people need to always be loving to all people, even if we disagree with their political position, amen? Okay. The Democratic Party over here platform is every woman should be able to access high quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion. So you see they're, they're diametrically opposed, aren't they? They're, they're very different. So you have to look at that and go, where do I align? Uh, let's go to the Democrats are silence on marriage. We'll just move down here. Um, Israel, we recognize Jerusalem as the eternal and invisible capital of the Jewish state. Israel is, we believe that while Jerusalem is a matter of final status negotiations, what that means is that we don't really agree with where it is now, and we believe in a two-state solution, meaning the Palestinians and the Jews, but the reason this is a biblical-based position on Israel is because we believe, based on Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15, in fact, the whole scripture, that the nation of Israel was given to Abraham as a land grant and a promise to his people that God will restore that one day. So the idea is it's very difficult, very difficult to, to, to say, no, I, we, we want to change it. 
we want to change the status. We'll keep that up uh, open. Uh, let's just drop down here to uh, public school restrooms. I thought this was interesting. Um, the, the Democrats' edict uh, states concerning restrooms, locker rooms, and other facilities that once illegal, dangerous, and ignores the privacy issues, we salute several states that have failed um, file a suit against it. So the, the Democratic position is we will work to guarantee transgender students access to facilities based on their gender identity. So uh, we were in a meeting uh, probably last year uh, on a university in San Diego, and the law professor of that university said, I don't really understand it, but right now there are, and there's probably more now, there are 56 different genders. I don't know how you'd do that. I mean, I, I grew up in a day when there was two. And if you went into the girls' restroom, you got in trouble. You have to decide, if you, if you like that position over here about restrooms, you have to be okay with your son or your daughter having someone of the opposite sex come in there because that day they decided their gender was such and such. I just really believe that th some things are black and white. They're really not that difficult. Let me just drop down to um, public school sex education. Students, education sets absence until marriage as a responsible, respected standard of behavior. Uh, over here on the Democratic Party, medically accurate, LGBTQ+, inclusive, age-appropriate sex education, and the full range of family planning services. What that means is that's code, family planning services. That means if you are a student in a high school and you want an abortion, then they have to provide that and they do not have to notify your parents. So you see that this, this is just kind of a sampling of you have, to, you have to figure out where you are on this biblically. You have to adopt a biblical worldview and say, well, what does my Bible teach? Or I throw the Bible out and say, I don't care what it teaches, and it's an outdated, unimportant document, but I'm sure glad to be going to heaven. I mean, that literally is a position some people take. You see, the real battle is spiritual. The real battle, people, is spiritual. We can get all upset about politics, which is not hard to do, or we can fall back and realize, well, wait a minute, if, if we really are spiritual warriors in the kingdom of God, where are the battle lines and how do we win the battle? Because we're Christians, we're part of that city of God, amen? In Daniel chapter 10 and verses 12 through 14, Daniel was, was taken into captivity into a foreign land, into Babylon. They'd invaded the nation of Israel and they'd taken the youngest and the brightest back and they were going to groom them in all the ways of the Babylonian mystery religion. And they were going to train them and guide them so that they could be some on the forefront of, of leadership in the future. And Daniel was there and he was praying and he'd been fasting and praying for 21 days. And during this fast, there was an encounter that he had. Let me read it to you. Then he said to me, this is an angelic being that showed up, Michael. He says, do not fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Let me just stop for a moment. When you pray, okay, when you pray, God hears your words instantly. It may not feel like it, and you may not see the answer right away, but I want you to know God hears what you're praying. Your words are heard, he told Daniel. He said, I have come because of your words. So God dispatched an angel. How about that? God dispatched an angel because of the way you prayed. 
How'd you like to have a team angel on your side? How'd you like to have a whole group of angels that are helping you along the journey? You do. What do you think God created them for? It says they are ministering spirits for the sake of the elect. That means those who know him. They're ministering to you all the day long. You not just have the Holy Spirit, you have angelic spirits. You say, well, what about those demons? Yeah, they're bad. But remember, one-third of them fell, two-thirds of them didn't. That means it's already a two-to-one advantage. Amen? In the angelic world. He went on to say this, But I have come because of your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now, this is not talking about an earthly prince of Persia. This is talking about spiritual forces in a hierarchy in the spiritual realm that are opposing the good work of the angelic beings to bring about good in our land. So Michael said, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me, for I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So this spiritual battle is incurring. Michael shows up, and now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. He says, now you were praying about your current situation, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer that prayer, but I'm gonna give you a little bit more. I'm gonna tell you about the future. I'm gonna give you insight into what I'm up to in your world. I don't want you to be alone. The Bible says God does nothing except he reveals it first to his prophets. Read the prophets, they will guide you, they will lead you. He says, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. So here's what we glean from this section in Daniel. Prayer and fasting moves the heart of God. Not just when you're in crisis. Prayer and fasting moves the heart of God anytime you pray and fast. Because God sees your heart. Do you realize you were created in the image of God to carry forth the mission of God in this world, to represent him on earth as an ambassador? And one day, Guess what? In the eternal kingdom, he'll have a purpose and a role for you, and your training was here on earth. You got skills here on earth that are gonna be used in eternity. Isn't that amazing? It's not just rewards you lay up, it's skills and talents, and God is going to use those in the days to come. Did you ever think about this, that delays serve a purpose? Anybody like delays? I don't. I, I like everything right now. God's calendar in my mind is always a little behind. Because I'm like, like, God, I just prayed four seconds ago. What's the wait? What's the problem? But sometimes God delays it because he's moving things into place in your life to make an even better situation for you. If you get frustrated by the delays, you're really getting frustrated by God. And he can be frustrating. Let's all just be honest, Amen. But it's only because we don't have the perspective on life that God has. When we, if we could just get a divine perspective on God and the way he sees things, we'd see everything different. You know, the Bible says this, it does not, uh, we will know as we have been known. What am I gonna know in eternity? I'm gonna know as I have been known by God on earth. In other words, I'm gonna have a divine perspective in eternity. How cool is that? Right now, I just got an earthly perspective. I'm just trying to navigate and get the best I can and walk in the Spirit and love God and love people and, and do those kind of things that God has called us to. But you see, spiritual forces are aligned 
with you for your victory. They're lining up behind you for your victory. Don't get so, you know, evil consumed that you just think, oh, the world's so bad. Well, the world's also pretty good. Amen? Pretty good. I mean, I'm looking out in this room here and I'm going, this is pretty good. There's good people in this room. Amen? Good people in our community, good people in our world. And then when it really comes down to it, only a, a handful of people really want to disrupt our world, bring evil to our land. Most people want to just live, raise their family. They want to have a peaceful existence. They want to have a nice job. They want to retire. They want to go on vacation. That's most people. Amen? So don't get consumed on the other side of the fence, and all you see is a devil under every bush. Amen? I wrote in my book, uh, One Nation Without Law, these words, this is not a time to grow weary or let down our guard. It is a time for conquest and victory. It is a time to lift up the banner of the Lord and proclaim the powerful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Too often we live as though spiritual victory depends on our own strength, ability, and power. But that is not sufficient if we are to survive in this world, much less thrive. Yet when we are empowered with the Holy Spirit, we invade and exploit the areas of darkness and release those who are held captive. Amen? Paul said to Colossians in 1.13, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of his son by his love. You got delivered out of darkness. That good news? I've been delivered out of darkness. Delivered. The power of darkness doesn't, can't hold me. You see, Satan has no power unless I delegate it to him by my own will. When I roll over and let him take control of me, he does. When I stand and say, God, I am standing in your power and your authority, I am a victor. But remember this, you never stand alone. Man, it's easy to feel like that way at times, right? You say, I'm the only one at my office, I'm the only one at my school, I'm the only one in my neighborhood. Uh, standing for God. Well, you're not. You just feel that way. You don't stand alone. You're never alone. You got angelic beings that surround you. You got God who is for you. You got Christian friends, brothers, sisters, family members who love you and stand with you. But when you're going through the fire, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, amen? You just feel like, I'm all alone, what am I gonna do? You're not alone. You have to operate with divine optimism. Are you an optimist or a pessimist? How about put divine in front of that? I'm gonna live with a kind of positivity that is inspired by God. You know the word inspire is a Greek word that means God-breathed. I'm gonna be a God-breathed person. I'm gonna walk in the Spirit of God, amen? Amen. Let me ask you this. Do you know for certain that you know God? Because that's the beginning of inspiration. That's the beginning of life. Amen. It's to say, I want to put my faith, my trust in Jesus Christ. I want to follow him with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. If you haven't done that or you're unsure about that, can I just pray this prayer with you? Will you pray this? You can pray it out loud right where you stand or sit. If you're watching online, you can pray this prayer. If you're outside in our pavilion, you can pray this prayer. It goes like this, dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins 
that you paid the price for my unrighteousness that I might be righteous. That you were buried in a tomb and for three days you awaited the release of death. And you came forth from that tomb a victor over death and the grave and sin. And by faith I put my life in your hands. You died for my sins but you rose to give me eternal life. I accept that life, that eternal life right now and I wanna follow you all the days of my life. If that was your prayer and you meant it in your heart, just thank him. Just thank him right where you are. Just, God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Doesn't mean you have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. You just have to know the one who has them. Just know the one who has them. Amen?